0: Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorce. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God.
1: Father, we just come to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to share part of our story today, that we can try to minister healing and life to people, that we can maybe clear up some of the the questions that people have in the Scriptures concerning uh, this very difficult subject. I pray that we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive. Touch us to be able to speak the oracles of God and things that are pleasing to you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Uh, We're going to start with uh, John chapter 10 and verse number 10, where the Bible said, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the Bible said, Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it, more abundantly. Now just let me say this in the very beginning here. Satan's goal has always been to interrupt what God is doing. And the sacredness and the blessing of marriage and homes, families, is no exception. I'm, and I don't want to scare you, but the devil is after your family because you're a Christian. Okay? Now, that's not scary because the devil can't cross the bloodline. Amen. Amen. We're covered, aren't we? Look at your neighbor and say, we're covered. (laughs) Now, I want you to to get this inside of you here this morning in the very beginning of what we're going to be talking about over the next probably three Sundays. I want you to get this inside of you. It's God's will for you to have a good marriage isn't it? Not just an average marriage, not just a a coexisting marriage. It's God's will for you to have a good marriage. Uh, Would you please define for me what a good marriage is?
0: He's giving me the money. She wants, she wants,
1: (laughs) she's when the husband does the dishes. Yes,
0: that's it. When they, when they help you around the house, that's a good marriage. Now, you know, a good marriage is, is, for me, is a spouse that will pray for each other and that will minister to each other. Um, and then when you see your spouse ministering to other people, you know, that that to me is what God wants, you know, in, in your life.
1: And unity and harmony and, and joy and enjoying living life. Come on, it's okay for everything to be Okay. Sila. There's nothing wrong with you having more money than month. There's nothing wrong with you having an overabundance of peace. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to laugh all of the time so much where people say, "Man, why do you laugh? You just laugh all the time. you kind of get on my nerves and that you think and you think that's funny. There's nothing wrong with that. Now now my mother-in-law has perfected this art when we first got married and and through the years and the kids will tell you and Donna will tell you we'll be sitting around it'll get boring and all of a sudden we'll hear her go (laughs) 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 and she will get herself worked up until she's going (laughs) 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 and before you know it the whole family's doing exactly what you're doing right now and, and it's not boring anymore. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with laughing. There's nothing wrong with in, enjoying life. Now, there's two reasons that I can think of why this message is for everyone here today. You say, well, Pastor, I've never been through a divorce. I've never been through a broken relationship or broken home. Well, then you're probably in the minority in the room. But there's two reasons. Number one, for those of us that have experienced this, what we're going to talk about today will probably help you. The second reason is because it may help you help someone else that's going through that. Okay? Why don't you start with our story? Tell everybody how you just couldn't get your eyes off of me when you saw me. No. <laughs>
0: You guys need to pray for him because he might get struck down. Um, (laughs) No, we actually, um, some of you have heard the story, but um, we were, he, uh, my mom's best friend had went up to minister in Michigan and had met, when she came back, said this little preacher man that came in on a motorcycle riding through the parking lot. And she's like, we need to get him down here to minister. So she invited him to come to camp meeting and all that to get some, um, some meetings. And so... Because
1: I was a full-time evangelist. Right. I had been for about four years, four and a half years. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And so her and my mother got this bright idea that they were gonna introduce me to him. And back then, you guys have to understand, I was extremely shy. Um, you would ask me a question, you got yes or no, that was it. You didn't get anything else out of me. Um, you know, see
1: I thought I was marrying someone who wasn't gonna talk <laughs> Boy did I get ripped off
0: <laughs> And so anyway they introduced me to him and then they walk off and leave me standing there with him and I just kind of looked at him he kind of looked at me and I said okay I'm leaving and um, so we're sitting at the the table and he'll he'll say something different but um, we were sitting at the table and he, Mom was showing my senior pictures, I was 17 at the time. And she was showing him my senior pictures and he was like, let me look at it. And mom started to pass it down. I said, do not send my picture down there to him. And um, so she went ahead and done it anyway. And um, when we left that night, I looked at mom, I said, he is the most arrogant, self-centered, stuck on himself person that I have ever seen in my life. So. I couldn't keep my eyes off of him, you know? <laughs> so anyway, I was, um, I was engaged. And um, he had come back for some revivals and he was with a, a good friend of ours and he asked him, he said, you know, there was this girl I met at camp meeting. And he's like, what's her name? He's like, Donna, Donna. And, and of course, back home, everybody calls me Donna Kay. And so Ed said, Donna Kay. And he's like, oh yeah, I think she's engaged, but that's all right, we'll call and ask her and Vic to come. So we went and, you know, he kinda was talking. I didn't even remember him. You know, that's how much attention I paid to him because I really didn't remember him. And, um, you know, God had already been dealing with me about knowing that this is not what I was supposed to be doing.
1: And by the way, she was engaged to a very good man, and he's still a very good man today. He is, Mm
0: -hmm. Um, you know, but sometimes the Lord changes his mind. And, um, you know, if we don't listen, we can, you know, we can destroy our lives if we don't listen. Um, Thank the Lord that I listened. You know, not that I would have had a bad life because I wouldn't have because he was a great man. But uh, the Lord had other things in mind. And so he came to, you guys have met Bill Claypool, who is my best friend's brother. And he was a youth pastor at a church. And he came to minister. And at that time... Because I was so back and forth and, and fighting God over what I knew I shouldn't be doing that I was going to do. And um, he, he was working in the gifts. The Lord was using him in the gifts of the Spirit. And he pulled me out. And he was ministering to me. And he said, he said I see a vessel over your head. And he said, it's been broken. And he said, but the Lord is sending someone to re- replace that, to, to bring that back together. And then do you want to tell that part?
1: Oh, and so, you know. <laughs> so a lot of times when, when the Lord Jesus meets me through the gifts, uh, what I see is what God is saying. It I, A lot of times, and please don't be offended by this, but a lot of times I don't really even pay too much attention to the person. It's just, what is God saying? And so the Lord spoke to me and three months prior to this I was driving down the road and I've been on the road full-time for four and a half years most of my work was in in Canada to to the northern isolated Indian communities and um, I would hold six and eight week revivals up there and so I'm driving and I looked and I had a little 1984 Mercury Lynx back then it's like a little Ford Escort and I looked over at the passenger seat about three months earlier and I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, I'd really like you to fill that seat with a blonde headed blue eyed between 110 and 120 pounds, um, 5 foot 5 to 5 foot 6 pretty lady with a background in business. I got very specific with the Lord. So I'm going through here and I'm praying. And the Lord is using me in the gifts of the Spirit. I'm speaking things over people. Most of the revivals back then when I was, when I was doing revivals, most of the revivals were more gifts. I would preach, but most of them were more gifts than anything, praying over people and prophesying and seeing miracles and whatnot. And uh, I said this, I gave this word to her that the Lord had given to me. And my eyes were kind of closed because like, she was in a line, and I was just kind of going down the line. And the Lord spoke to me, and He said, "If you open your eyes, you'll see your wife." I peeked. <laughs> then I said, "Whoa, good job, God!" I mean, that's kind of like that's uh, kind of like it was. <coughs> yeah, you asked me to tell that part. That's how I told it.
0: So anyway you know <laughs> <laughs> you know with me you know with me knowing this and, and of course I didn't know what the Lord had spoke to him I just know what God had spoke to me oh and wait a minute
1: I'm not done I knew she was engaged and that was a Tuesday night and I said Lord if this is really you because you know let everything be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses and whatnot I said have her broke up. With her fiance and ready to go out on a date Friday night. Guess where we were Friday night, on a date. Okay, go ahead.
0: So anyway, <laughs> when God changes your mind, God changes your mind quick, um, and that's kind of you know that's kind of how it's been with our you know our relationship. All that, you know when when God has done something in our lives and in our family's lives, it's been quick like that. It's never given us time to stop and think because for me. I would I would second guess everything, you know, because you know, I came from a home that was, you know, very stable. We lived in the same place from the time I was four years old to the time I got married. I went to school with the same people all the way through high school. So my stability was, you know, there. And, you know, for God to say, okay, well, you need to go here or you need to go there, if I had to stop and think about it, I'd be like, mm mm. That's not happening, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, you know, I like that stable, that stability. But um, like I said, the Lord had been dealing with me on it anyway. And that next day, I actually had met with uh, the guy that I was engaged to and um, had talked to him and, and just told him, you know, you're a great guy, but this is not what the Lord has for either one of us. And, you know, you have to be careful because if you marry somebody that's not God's will in your life, You can hurt them and you also, and the the spouses that they were supposed to have, you know. So we have to be careful. We have to ask God. We have to, you know, for those of you that aren't married, uh, you know, you have to really seek God on who he wants you to marry and what spouse that he has for you. So we went out that night, and um, we sat up and talked all night long. This is the, the person who didn't talk to anybody. Um, We sat up and we talked all night long, and 11 weeks later, we were married. So, as I said, God, when he does things with me, he has to do it quick, or I might second guess everything. And I
1: knew it was God. (laughs) And I knew it was God. And I didn't want to wait anymore, because I was 22 years old, and and she was 18 when we got married. So, that sounds wonderful, and that sounds great, and it It, it, it was. It was good. Um, we went on our honeymoon, um, and um, uh, I'm gonna tell on Vic a little bit, and I want—I don't want anyone to misinterpret this, but I love her dearly, and she loves me dearly. But Donna was her only child, and we, I, and I got very confused when we came back from the honeymoon because before I went, oh praise God, this is God, you're oh you're the son I never had. When I got back, she looked at me, and I could tell she hadn't slept in three days, and she no. said, "I prayed God'd kill you." Oh. <laughs> So it took, it took a little working through. We worked. But, but, but she decided she loved me. So,
0: But I'll tell you this. Mom told me this a few years after we were married. She said the Lord spoke to her and told her that her son-in-law's name was going to be John. So she knew. Oh. She mm-hmm. knew that that's you know, who the Lord
1: had. And we don't, we don't have a problem now. I mean, obviously, yesterday we've been married 28 years. So uh, that's praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And we, and we celebrate the first marriage, uh, and then we celebrate the second anniversary as our Restoration Day, and we have to celebrate twice a year because she likes gifts twice a year. <laughs> so, All right, um, where do we go from here? We start out in the ministry. I'm full-time in the ministry. All I've ever wanted to do is be in the ministry. The Lord called me when I was a child. Uh, I spent I spent years before I met her in full-time ministry traveling all over 30some states, Mexico and Jamaica and uh, even preaching ministers conferences even as a young man, camp meetings, the night speaker at camp meetings uh, had a television ministry in Canada had a radio ministry in the states here and uh, just it just was growing and flourishing and uh, and I married someone who, didn't know what she was getting into. And, um, and our, our very first trip up north, I scheduled a six week tour up through, uh, through Maine. We were on radio in Maine. And um, I scheduled a, a tour up through there. And uh, it was about a 23 or a 24 hour trip and she drove about 30 minutes of it and I knew then I was in trouble because she just did not want to be away from home, and uh, she locked herself in the bathroom one day there uh, in the motel where we were staying for two hours and just cried and wouldn't let me in there, and that broke my heart. Uh, and then we, uh, <laughs> you talk about getting initiated. We went to this little church. <laughs> we went to this little church in Maine, and it was a little schoolhouse. Most of the people in the church, there may be 50 people in the church, most of the people in the church were over 50 years old. But we had a phenomenal revival. 11 of them got the Holy Ghost. God healed a woman that was in, in a wheelchair that the nurse had brought her from the hospital. She was supposed to be dead within 30 days. And she was so weak that she couldn't even lift her head up. And she was pushing me around in that wheelchair before it was over that night. God healed her. I mean, really, really healed her. And the nurse told her, said, now get back. We got to go back to the hospital. She said, I ain't getting back in that wheelchair. She said, you get in it if you want to, but I'm not getting in it. She said, the Lord healed me tonight. And so God healed. But where they had put us was in this trailer, which I didn't care where I stayed when I was evangelist. I slept in my car a lot. I didn't care. But they had put us in this trailer and uh, we were newlyweds, mind you and you stepped on the carpet in the trailer and swarms of mosquitoes would come up. And they went over and opened the cupboards and they went grocery shopping for us and they were excited about that. Then we were taking a shower and we found out that a lot of times the well pump would just go out while you were taking a shower and so we were dipping water out of the toilet to get the soap, not the toilet bowl, but the toilet tank. Yeah. (laughs) To get the soap out of our hair. And then we looked out the back window and there was a fence that was connected to both sides of the trailer and went back like that and it was a hog pen. And there were hogs out there. And the sewer emptied into the hog pen. So guess what they wanted to feed us Sunday for dinner? She said, John, I can't do this. I just can't do this. Take me home. Take me home. I said, the next place will be better, honey. The next place will be better, I promise. The next place will be better. But, um, but that, was, that was her initiation. I mean, that was the first trip. And, of course, we preached in other places that treated us much nicer than that. And, and we had a lot better time. But that was like the first place that I took her. And it was a place I had never been before. And then, and then we had a lady that had passed away who had been one of our monthly supporters for the radio broadcast. And so, I wanted to go to the uh, to the funeral. And she didn't want to go to the funeral, but I felt obligated to go. So, being young and dumb, I left my bride there by herself, and I went to the funeral because I was being stubborn. And uh, and I and the reason she didn't want to go is because her mammal had died not too long before that, and she was having a hard time with that. So, you know, we made some of those uh, early mistakes, I think, uh, not being as considered as we should of each other. Uh, but we can just fast forward if you want. Where do we, we want to go?
0: I, I mean, you know, after, and this is the thing, you know, we were, we were newly married. Seven months after we were married, I came up pregnant with twins. So our first year of marriage, you know, was... <laughs> You know, not only did we have to learn to to live with each other, now we were having to plan for not one baby, but two. And so and the
1: Lord let me know about that too. It's the craziest thing. I was preaching in southern Ohio. She was there. The Lord was using me in the gifts that night. The Lord spoke to me and said, your wife is pregnant and she's going to have twins. And I said, I rebuke that in the name of (laughs) God. That's not God. That's not God. So, so it's back in the days when we had cassettes and we were duplicating cassettes and whatnot. And so we had, she had like a 400 uh, cassette order or something that her and her mother was working on. And I went back there and I told her, her and her mom what the Lord had said. And Vic's like, I don't know. I don't know. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I said, won't you take, take her down to this urgent treatment center or whatever in the morning? And uh, I said, let's find out. And sure enough, she came up pregnant. And, and then it uh, wasn't too long after that when they did the uh, ultrasound. ultrasound that he said, oh, wait a minute, there's another one in here. <coughs> and so, wow, seven months into marriage and all of a sudden we're going to have twins.
0: So our first wedding anniversary, I was five months pregnant. He was in Canada preaching and I was by myself. So... You know, and that's, I think that's kind of when, you know, some things, you know, kind of started like for me, you know, just because, you know, if you're in the ministry, you have to make sure that um, you take care of your family too, you know, and that's, you know, that's one of the things, I mean, I, I wouldn't go with him. I didn't want to go with him sometimes, but then when I got pregnant, I couldn't go with him.
1: But that's how we got paid too. I mean, that's how I made a living also. Right. Uh, if I didn't preach, we didn't eat. So.
0: And so, you know, you have to be careful, you know, that you that you take care of each other as well as the call of God on your life. Um, and so, you know, they, you know, the girls were born, and uh, you know, he was still evangelizing and things like that. And um, gone he, for six weeks at a time, right. a lot of times. And he yeah. wasn't around a whole lot. Um, and so, when he came home, and one of the girls called him John. Yep. It that's what done it. And then that's when we started pastoring. And, you know, pastoring, pastoring is wonderful. But there are things that happen, you know, within the ministry that will um, destroy you if you let them. You know, there are times that people have, you know, ca- you know that people come against the pastor. And, it, and they come against other Christians. But when they come against the pastor, and for me... I might have been quiet, but I was a fighter. You know, somebody touched my family and it was all over. You know, I you know, you just go on about your own business, just leave my family alone. And I would see that. I would see, you know, mean people come against my husband, and, and he would be like, Donna Kay, just let it go. And I said, But I can't let it go. You know, I said they've they've come against you. I said, and you're my family. And I said, There is nothing that you have done to cause them to do that. And so, you know, during that time, for me, just the hurts and all that of the ministry, I looked at him one day and I said, if this is what it's about, I want nothing to do with it. You know, and and it's very, very important. You know, and, and I've, I've said this before. If you guys have something that you don't agree with the pastor about or you don't agree with one of the leadership about, you need to pray about it. You know, don't, because you don't understand how much damage you can do to somebody um and because of that you know a lot of that and not it wasn't all because of people and let you me know? say
1: this and it's going to sound harsh but it's just the way that it is when you run your mouth against someone you're hurting people and you're hurting yourself and you don't even know it
0: so you know just just make sure, you know, that you watch what you say, you know, about people and about uh, ministries, you know, and about uh, and your pastor, you know, about your pastor and, and their families. You know, one of the things that we had that we determined early on in our marriage was that, you know, we will allow the people in the church to love our kids. And, you know, if they're doing something wrong, they need to say something to them. But they're not going to make our kids be on a pedestal when they are just as human as your You know, and that's, you know, and and today, you know, I mean, all of our children are in church. And I think that's a big, you know, a big reason as to why, because we've always allowed them to be them and make their own mistakes.
1: But when she looked at me that day and she said, it's me or the ministry, and that's the word she used, I said, that's easy, the ministry. And she said, you mean to tell me that you would choose these people? who are acting like this and calling themselves a Christian over your family? I said, no, I choose the call of God. And I told her, I said, God called me, honey. I said, there's nothing I can do about it. And I said, I told you from the day we met that I'm called to full-time ministry and that is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and I am not going to quit doing ministry to stay married. I could have said that different. Listen, hindsight's 20-20. If you thought you were going to come here and and just watch us throw stones at each other, you got another thing coming. Uh, You know, I mean, I take responsibility for the way that I handled that situation. It was wrong, the way that I handled that situation. But that kind of set us up for the next few years of war. And we really, because I felt like she was trying to get me out of the ministry and I dug my heels in and I said, I am not going to quit obeying God. And, and, uh, and she would say, I'm not trying to get you to quit, to, uh, to quit obeying God and, you know, and things like that. And then she would call her mother and her mother would hear her side and then she would have her things to say. And I would call my friend Wayne and I would call my family and they would have their things to say and and it just got bad. I mean, it just got, and I, I mean, my goodness, I, we would have war in the parsonage on Saturday night and I would get up and on Sunday morning and say, praise the Lord, God's good. Let's all clap our hands and give the Lord some pr-. I mean, I felt so fake. I there felt were, there fake. Were
0: times, you know, people would look at us and they thought, oh, they're the perfect family and, you know, there's nothing going on. And on the inside, you know, I'm, I'm like, oh, where's my ball bat? I just want to knock him in the head, you know. But, here, <laughs> but.
1: <laughs> but here's the conclusion I came to, and I stand by this conclusion to this day. It doesn't matter what's going on in my personal life, none of that changes the Word of God. And so when we get up here and minister to you, it doesn't mean... And, and by the way, we're good. We've been good for a really long time now. But when we get up here and minister to you, it doesn't mean that we've had a perfect morning. It just means that we feel like that what God needs to use us to minister to you is more important than what we're going through at the moment, and we'll work on that later. And and we've had to do that before. Also, that's where the, the, the phrase was coined. Uh, you can tell them about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know... As we were going through all this, you know, he finally he looked at me, he said, he said, We gotta love God more than we hurt. You know, and there's so much truth to that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean and like you said, hindsight's twenty twenty, you know, if I would have hit my knees instead of, you know, wet with my flesh on how I felt about a lot of things, this would have wound up different. You know, even even when I was upset with him, if I would have hit my knees and prayed for my husband. Instead of, and if know, I would have asked, the, and do. if I
1: would have asked the Lord, how do I handle this chick? <laughs> you know, I mean, you said that she was the right one, God. I don't understand this. I mean, I had that conversation with God a lot of times, a lot of times. So, our first uh, church, God blessed it, it grew, we bought property. While all of that was going on, God still honored His Word. God was faithful. God was merciful. And God loved that congregation, rascals and all. God loved them all. And, um, and then we ended up moving back to Kentucky because my, my part of the story is I was paying four and $500 a month phone bills. And I couldn't get her to quit calling home and I thought it would just be cheaper to move back because I, honestly, I, we, we were sinking financially. We were sinking. And um, she was broken up and needing the connection. Uh, and her parents were five and a half hours away. And so it was hard on her. Uh, and I was making 150 bucks a week and trying to pay four and $500 phone bills. So I got a job driving a school bus. So on top of all of that I got a bunch of screaming kids in my ear all day long every day. And uh, and I basically drove bus to pay for her phone bill. And I said I can't do this anymore. And we and, and it just got it just continued to get to get worse. So we moved back, we took another church Uh, God used us to get some property resolution there with that church uh, and whatnot. And uh, one thing led to another, and we ended up moving back to Winchester. Um, And uh, I wasn't pastoring then. I said, I got to fix, something has to happen, this family has to get fixed. And um, so we went back, which I think was a mistake even to this day, and she does too. We've talked about that. Um, But we went back there um, and one thing led to another. And through the course of time, uh, I went to work for a dairy. And she went to work for a steel company, a steel plant. And we started living these two separate lives. And um, I was trying to stay in the ministry and she was saying, saying, if you're going to be in the ministry, I don't want nothing to do with you. And, um, and I was telling her, I'm going, to, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to trust God. And we started getting aggressive with each other in our conversations. And so as time went on, I moved out. And um, she filed for divorce. And we were divorced. It was tough.
0: It was tough. You know, during that time, um and and let me say this, go back to our second church. We um when you're out of God's will, you bring things upon yourself. And during this time, you know, when we first went there there was a a house for us to live in (coughs) and things like that. But it got to where the finances weren't there and we had to move into two rooms in the back of the church so here we were with three children
1: and i was driving 45 minutes one way in the winter time to carry drywall in and out of houses because it's the only job i could find for seven bucks an hour
0: and you know we looked at me working but with three small children the girls were three jeremiah was a year old we couldn't pay for daycare so i had to stay home Um, and so you know we lived in the back in those two rooms in the back of the church and for me it just made me even harder against the ministry you know well god if if you brought us here then you know why are we having to do this and not that i was too good to do it i did what you know i had to do but um you know it made me more hard against the ministry and and uh, things like that and then you know of course then when when we moved back to winchester um, you know, I was able to work. The girls were in school. Jeremiah was in daycare, so we were good. But um, it was a mistake to go back to, to Winchester, and we know that. Um, and then, you know, when, when the divorce was filed, three times I went to sign the papers, and two of those three times I couldn't do it. But I was so stubborn and so set in my ways that this was what I was going to do that I didn't listen to God twice god spoke to me and i you know i had kind of wanted to put god on the back shelf um, i always loved god but i was mad at him because of what what i thought he had done you know when in reality it was it was us well and
1: it. and uh, and let's let's be honest too i mean we were pastoring some mean people i'm serious I'm serious. I mean, folks, folks, I want you to understand something, okay? If you never come back and you go to another church, I want you to understand that pastor is a human being too, okay? And they have a family. And when you say mean things to them, they're going to hurt just like if mean things are said to you. Okay. So we were divorced. Okay, now um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get into some scripture here about uh, about divorce and what God thinks about divorce and what the Word of God says about divorce. We've been going for 30 minutes already, and I don't wanna I don't wanna continue to belabor this. And we can talk about how that God brought us, how that God's you know God spoke to me uh, along the bank, banks of a of a creek one morning about three o'clock. I'll share that next week. You can talk about maybe because Donna went into a very deep depression and ended up in the hospital. And, um, and she can talk about how that the Lord met her there and helped her and uh, how that God spoke uh, to her and to me about how that we were designed to be with each other and how that God brought us back together. So we'll talk about that next week, how that God brought us back together. So it's a phenomenal story. But right now, I don't, want, I don't want you to leave without me giving you some, some more word. I mean, John 10, 10 The thief not, comes not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Uh, Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So let me talk to you a little bit about what the Word of God says about divorce. Number one, God hates divorce. God hates divorce, but God forgives. I said, but God forgives. In fact, in Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse number 8, God gave Israel a writing of divorcement. God got frustrated with the children of Israel, and the Bible said that God gave Israel a writing of divorcement. Now, there are biblical grounds for divorce in the scripture. And we're going to look at a few of those, okay? In Matthew chapter 5. And, Donna, you just interject anytime you want to, honey. Matthew chapter 5 and uh, verse number 32. And this is the one that, uh, you know, the, the mean people like to get hung up on. It says this, But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. And so the mean people like to uh, read that scripture and tell people when you get divorced and remarried, then you're living in adultery. That's not what that scripture says. Let's just read it, okay? Whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication. That word, that means, except it be for the cause of fornication. That word fornication there, some people say, well, that means that that's sex between unmarried people. Well, how can a married person have sex between unmarried people? So fornication there comes from the Greek word pornea, which is where we get pornography from, but it actually means sexual immorality. So God's Word teaches us here that a divorce is permitted when there's sexual immorality involved on one side or the other. And so we need to understand, yes, God hates divorce, but God forgives divorce. And I think it's 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 amazing. There's a whole lot of people they say, well adultery I can't believe it. that nasty spirit that you carry is, is going to keep you out of heaven just as quick as adultery will. Right. And so I think it's important it's important for us to it's not that it, and people say well when someone commits adultery and Donna and I didn't do that. Now that's not something that happened. I was not unfaithful to her and she was not unfaithful to me. This was what we call, and I'll show you later on, desertion desertion or abandonment. That's why I could continue in the ministry, but because she was the one that filed for the divorce. But the, but the thing about it is, is so many times people say, well, you know, a, a divorce and adultery and stuff like that, it just hurts families. Well, so does bad attitudes. And so does gossiping, and so does backbiting, and, and so all, all of those things. You know, one is not worse than the other folks. You're hurting people when you're talking bad about them, just like you're hurting your family if, if something like that is going on. So the biblical grounds for divorce, number one, is for sexual immorality, and that's Matthew 5, 32. And then the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, and you can read it later, that if an unbelieving spouse departs, let them depart. That's desertion. So, in our situation, when, when Donna filed for the divorce, I didn't want the divorce. I told her I was not filing for divorce. And I'm not blaming this on her. There's a reason that she filed. And I'm that reason. And the way I treated her at times. But when she filed, then technically it was her leaving the marriage. And so, biblically and scripturally, I could continue on in ministry. And I did. Now, here's the thing that I want everybody here to understand. Jesus and God in His Word allow divorce, but they don't command it. So even if there has been sexual immorality, even if there has been desertion, if someone comes back and they say, you know, I think we should work on this, and you agree to work on it, then you are bound by that covenant again. And you are not free unless something like that happens again. So, and it's always better to try to work for restoration. Now, let me ask this question. What about scriptures where God commands us to not be in an unequally yoked relationship? I'll give them to you so you can write them down. There are five of them here that I want to give you. 2 Corinthians 6, beginning in verse number 14 through the balance of the chapter and verse number 1 of chapter 7. Ezra chapter 10 and verse number 3. Judges chapter 3, verses 6 through 8. Deuteronomy 21, 10 through 14, and Psalms 89, 38 through 45 are all scriptures that command us not to be in an unequally yoked relationship. So so those people that want to pound on you about getting divorced or you were divorced and you were remarried and God can't use you and all of that, what are they going to do with these scriptures? What are they going to do with them, Okay. So, Christians who have been divorced unscripturally, Christians, Christians. I mean, my goodness, I had been in the ministry full time for years. Christians who have been divorced unscripturally and then remarried can truly repent of the sin of divorce. That's what it is. It's a sin of the sin of divorce okay and be restored to the Lord and to the fellowship of the church. Now do you want to interject anything here? Are you with me? Are we good? Am I doing okay? Are you proud of me? Good. <laughs> now let's talk a little pra- uh, let's have a little practical conversation about this because I'm trying to help us understand this okay. Marriage is a covenant. a divorce, is the breaking of that covenant. If you go out here and you buy yourself a car and you sign on the dotted line, as long as you keep paying that payment every single month, you remain in covenant, but you quit paying that payment and see if that car remains in your driveway. It doesn't because you broke covenant. You quit doing your part. It's the same thing. A divorce is a broken covenant. Once a covenant is broken, it is no longer in force. Once the divorce takes place, you are no longer bound. I don't care what anybody tells you. You went through with that divorce. You are no longer bound to that person. Okay? So this, asks, so this leads us to this. So if I get remarried, am I committing adultery? So the question needs an answer. If the divorced person or the divorcee were divorced for unscriptural reasons, then yes, you would be committing adultery. Now Donna and I didn't because even when we were divorced, uh, we were not in relations, sexual relations with anyone else. So thankfully we didn't have to worry about it. Okay, But if you have been involved in that, It's extremely important for you to remember that God forgives adultery. God forgives adultery. So people like to say, well, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 2 that a bishop should only be the husband of one wife. So if they're divorced and remarried, they can't be in the ministry anymore. Well, let me tell you something. If I divorced Donna right now and ended up marrying someone else, I'm not married to her anymore. I'm still just the husband of one wife. Okay? Now, should a minister step down if they've been divorced and remarried? Well, that depends on how powerful you think Calvary is. (coughs) Don't shout me down when I'm talking to you good. That depends on how powerful you think the blood of Jesus Christ is. How come the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse everything else but divorce? The Bible said in Romans chapter 11 and verse number 29 that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. Listen to me. If you are divorced and called to ministry or divorced and remarried and called to ministry, God has not changed His mind about you and about the calling that's on your life. I can tell you this not just from Scripture but from personal experience because when we were divorced and I would crawl in a pulpit somewhere and preach and say, God, I know what they say about me. I know what they're saying, but this is the same anointing that was on me when I was evangelizing God and I would preach and the power of God would come down and people would get saved and set free and delivered and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd walk out of there and I'd say, take that devil. Take that devil. Man gets in the way of God too many times. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. The blood is the qualifier, not man's opinion. Well, I don't think that they ought to be ordained if they've been divorced. Then God Himself couldn't be ordained with your mentality. Because He gave Israel a writing of divorcement. So we need to get off our high horses, don't we? We need to quit saying this sin is worse than that sin and that sin is worse than that sin and that sin is worse than that sin. Every single one. People sit around and point fingers at people that's been divorced and remarried. That spirit that causes you to point fingers is just as nasty as the spirit that caused them to get divorced. I love you. <laughs> so here's the thing. If you've been divorced and you're in the ministry or you're called to ministry and you've let the devil talk you out of being in the ministry because you've been through divorce and remarried. And, and let me tell you something, and I'll tell you from experience. Every bad thing that happens to you in ministry after you've been divorced and remarried, the devil will whisper in your ear and say, it wouldn't have happened if you would have been, wouldn't have been divorced and remarried. Well, let me tell you something. He's a liar, and he's the father of all lies. And yes, it would have happened. So you tell him that don't work anymore. Get behind me, Satan. Okay? If you've been divorced, experienced a broken covenant, and then remarried, entered into a new covenant, then you are still just the husband of one wife or the wife of one husband And God can still use you and God hasn't changed His mind about you and the anointing that God placed on your life for effective ministry is going to continue to increase and God's going to continue to open doors as long as you don't let the devil guilt you out of it. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Say something, honey. We need to wrap this up.
0: You know, just just remember that um, God's always there, no matter what. Um, and when, you know, if you are like me, who... I didn't turn my back on God. But didn't, I, quit I got, yeah, didn't quit I've loving Didn't quit loving him. i always loved him, but I got mad at him. You know, if you're in this place today and you're mad at God because of uh, something that you don't understand or you haven't went to God in prayer over it, you need to go to God because you don't want that door to be open to where something can come in. And, you know, if if your marriage is on the rocks or something and you allow that uh, to come in and it just keeps growing and festering and festering and festering that, um, you know, it causes you to divorce when the
1: Lord could have, you know, restored something and taken care of it. Next week, we'll talk about some of the emotions. We'll talk about how that God brought us back together. We'll tell you some of that, that story. We'll talk about some of the emotions. We'll explain to you how the Lord helped us deal with those emotions and how the Lord continues to help us deal with those emotions. It's been 18 years since we were remarried. And there's times when the devil tries to pop that back up. And it lasts about five minutes now. Because we recognize what it is. And we say, uh-uh, devil. Ain't no way. So we're going to talk about the emotions. We're going to talk about the divorce grief cycle um, next week. Uh, I want to leave you with just two passages of Scripture. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 30 and verse number 5 that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, there is there is, there's victory on the other side of this battle. And then in Luke chapter 1, verses 76 or 79, and you can write it down and read it, but the Bible says there that He will guide your feet into the way of peace. God will guide your feet into the way of peace. So right now, Donna and I want to pray with those of you, and I, we don't want to embarrass you or anything, and you can talk to us privately later or send us an email or call the office or whatever. But right now, we just want to pray for those of you that are going through this very, these difficult emotions. Because I know that a lot of you have been through divorce. I know that a lot of you have been through remarriage or in, re, in, in a remarriage. Some of you are not. And we want to pray over you today that God reaches down and begins to mend your broken heart. Let's pray. Let's just bow our heads together and pray. Go ahead, Donna, begin.
0: Lord, right now I pray that you just, for each and every person in here, God, you know the situation, you know what they're going through. God, you know what they've been through. And Lord, right now I pray that you just heal their hearts. God, mend them mend their hearts. And God, right now, if there's a relationship that's on the rocks right now, God, I pray that you just reach down, God, and minister to that husband and to that wife. God, I pray that you just restore that. God, give them the love that they need to keep it going and to, to fight for their relationship and to, to just love you
1: through it. And Jesus. Father, we pray for every person that broken relationships touch for every child Father I pray God that you would touch them and Lord they're in a time when they don't understand and God I pray that you would just reach down and touch them Lord every extended family member who is touched through a divorce and a remarriage and a broken relationship Father I pray God that you would help them to have the right spirit and the right attitude in approaching this situation. God, I pray that you would let healing virtue flow into the situation right now. And Father, in the places where it's your will for restoration, I pray that you would accelerate that that restoration right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, in places where no longer the covenant can ever work, Father, I pray that you would bring resolution and bring peace into that situation. And let the love of God that covers a multitude of sins rule the day, we pray. And Father, I I speak peace over every broken heart, Lord. I speak healing. Let the healing balm of Gilead come down right now into this congregation. And God, move into emotions and move into hearts. And Lord, help us to realize that we don't always have to understand why, but we need to know that you're there and that you will help us and that you will strengthen us and encourage us. And last of all, God, we thank you for Calvary. We thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you God that it that it mends and brings back together, that it cleanses, that it washes. God that it purifies, that it makes whole again, that it presents us holy before you. And God, I thank you that you have made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that when you see us, you don't see brokenness, you see wholeness, that when you see us, Father, you see people that you can use, people that you love. And Father, we give ourselves to you for your work and for your purpose for the rest of our days. We give you praise. We give you praise. Now, God, I'll pray over this congregation. Donna and I call them the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath the lenders and not the borrowers. Thank you, Father, that we are blessed, that we are whole, that we are healthy, that we are wealthy, that we have your favor, that we have your blessing upon our life. We receive it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him some praise hallelujah 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 Jehovah Rapha our healer hallelujah Lord I thank you for restoring my marriage Lord I thank you for restoring our ministry Lord I thank you for restoring this relationship Lord thank you God for giving us the opportunity to tell our story Oh hallelujah, God may it minister healing, may it minister health, may it minister wholeness in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number four Jesus. TV. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida 34669. Or you may call us at 727 856 1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And remember, the word will work if you work the word.